are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. Good morning. It's good to see you. I, I feel this really strong, and there may be other people who are feeling it, but to the band and the singers and everybody else that makes worship possible, do you feel like just saying a big, huge thank you this morning to these guys? Loved it. Love getting to worship with you. Awesome to do this together. So I've got a question that I ask people often, and I've been doing this for about maybe three years. Um, ask people to tell me about a time in your life when you really grew spiritually. You experienced spiritual growth. You become more mature as a Christian. You became more like Jesus. Something happened in your journey with God where you experienced growth. And so, tell me what was going on in that season. What was happening? And so here's what happens when I ask that question. 50% of the people give me one answer, okay? And the other 50% of the people give me several possible answers. Like, like they'll say things like, I found a church uh, where the, the teaching was really practical and the worship was really engaging. And boy, when I started going to that church, I just began to grow in my faith. Or, um, I started having devotions, so I started reading my Bible and praying every day. And when I started reading my Bible and praying, it was like I began to grow like I never knew I could grow in Christ. Or I got in a small group for a class. And once these people started speaking into my life and mentoring me, I began to grow. Or maybe I found a place to serve, like I went on a missions trip, or I started teaching a class or something with kids, and I really began to grow. Or I began to give, or I began to share my faith like we invited our neighbors to come to church with us and they started coming and I saw everything through a different lens and and as I was trying to help them grow in their faith I began to grow in my faith whatever but I get like all these answers then the other half of the people answer it this way you ready for this way you want to know when I grew in my walk with God Pastor Rick this is where it happened I went through a really, really difficult time. And, and that's a long list. Either like I, I went through a divorce or something major happened in my family or I got real sick or somebody that I love got real sick or something major crisis happened. And when that happened... I turned and I ran toward God as hard as I could run toward God. And over those next few weeks and months, I grew more in my journey with God than I've grown in all of my life. So, so in this series, we're going to spend a little time together talking about the fact that life is hard, but God is good. And this is the bottom line, okay? This is what I want you to know, that there is hope in hard times. Just because you're going through a hard time doesn't mean, wow, I'm just going to go through this hard time and then that's going to be it. No, no, no. There is hope. God will not waste this time that you're going through. And we're going to discover in God's Word today that God will bring good out of the most difficult situations of your life. There is always hope when times are hard. Now, there's a, there's a book of the Bible that we're going to spend some time in and the book is James and if you want to grab a Bible and open it there, you can. 
and it's almost to the very end of the New Testament, okay? So it's almost to the book of Revelation. It's right after Hebrews. James is a guy who does a lot of real practical teaching. So when you say practical teaching, what do you mean? I mean, he talks about stuff like money. And he talks about love. And he talks about faith. And he talks about hard times, when times are really hard. Now, you might remember that James is the actual brother of Jesus. And, and James identifies himself when we read verse 1 as a servant of God and a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Interesting, isn't it? And it wasn't always the case because what we learn in John chapter 7 was that Jesus' brothers didn't believe in him. But then when you get to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul tells us that Jesus appeared as the resurrected Jesus to James. Kind of cool. Now think about this with me. I got a brother. His name's Jesus. He says that he's the Son of God. Some people believe him. Some people don't. It's hard to explain away the miracles. I'm not a believer. I watched them kill him on a cross. It broke my mother's heart. They buried him in a tomb and they rolled the stone in front of it. And then one day, he shows up alive. And he says, hey, James, <laughs> how crazy is this? It's me. James, I really am the Son of God. And from that day forward, James begins to serve Jesus. And he leads the church in Jerusalem. In fact, he leads it until they kill him. They take his life. He gives his life because he believes in Jesus. So let me, let me get to this, this part of the story that we're in. Chapter 1, verse 1, okay? And here's how James says, I'm a servant of God, and I'm also a servant of our Lord Jesus Christ. Pretty cool that he says, I'm a servant of my brother Jesus. And then he says, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. They're scattered because they're being persecuted. And so they're becoming refugees. They're running for their lives. So he says, greetings. And now I'm only going to read a couple of verses. Okay, here we go. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials. Does that feel a lot to you so far? Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials. Seems a little odd to me. Trials of many kinds. And here's why. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So there's a progression here. And let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. So I want to dive into this today and try to understand better together what God is trying to say to us during this time. So, my wife Annette and I, we were with some of our closest friends, Jeffrey and Julie, a few weeks ago for dinner. And Jeffrey says, well, you remember what Bob Mitchell said that he did every night before he went to bed? And I said, you know, this is aggravating me because I think I remember everything that Bob Mitchell says, but I don't think I remembered what Bob Mitchell said about before he went to bed. And so, my buddy Jeffrey grabs out of his pockets, his wallet, his car keys, his billfold, and he says... Bob Mitchell said uh, every, every night he took all of his stuff out of his pockets and here's what he said to God. No, Lord, I've carried this stuff all day, but uh, it's time for me to get some rest and I need sleep. And so now 
I'm just going to lay this all down. And tomorrow morning when I wake up, I'll, I'll go back and I'll pick all this stuff up. And, and I'll carry it tomorrow and I'll do the best I can do. But I'm not going to take it to bed with me. So Bob Mitchell is a guy who pastored one church his entire ministry. And he was a very wise man. He was a good mentor for me. And what Bob was really saying was, you know, I got places to go. <laughs> I, got, I got money to be concerned about. I carry insurance cards in here. I've got health to be concerned about. In, in those days, it was an actual daytimer. It was a little thing you wrote on, but we use phones now. But I've got a calendar to keep. I've got people to talk to. I've got things to do. I've got a lot going on in my life. But you know what I'm going to do right now? I'm going to take it all, and I'm going to lay it all down, and I'm going to get some sleep. And in the morning, I'll come back, and I'll pick all this stuff up, and I'll carry it through the day, and I'll do the best that I can do with it. See, I, I began to tear up when Jeffrey reminded me of the story because sometimes I carry this stuff with me to bed. And sometimes it's 3 in the morning and I'm tossing and turning a bit and I'm praying, Lord, I don't want to worry and I don't want to carry this stuff with me, so would you help me to get it off my mind and just trust you to take care of all this stuff that I'm dealing with, the places i got to go, my health, money, the things I've got to do, my schedule, the communication I've got to do tomorrow. Would you just help me to put it all down and trust you with it? And the reason it's important for me to stand here on a Sunday morning and remind you people who follow Jesus that there is hope in hard times is because every one of us, there aren't any exceptions, deal with hard times. And if you're not dealing with a hard time right now in your life, you love somebody who is. And you're carrying their hard time. So Erin came in a moment ago and we all gave her a big hug. Because just a few weeks ago on Good Friday, Erin and her sister came. It was kind of a big deal, Erin, when she came with you. And we stood here, my wife and I got to pray with Erin and her sister. But this week her sister had a very bad car accident and she is down at OU Medical Center and she is broken to pieces, literally, and she needs God's touch today. I'm just trying to say that life dishes up some tough stuff. Annette and I are sitting in an airport last night, and we were talking about little Samuel, who is Sonia and Danny's grandson, and we're praying for Samuel. And as we're reading a text from Sonia, we saw on Facebook that a pastor that many of you know, just south of here in Dallas, his daughter and wife were killed tragically in an accident. You know, If you're not going through a hard time, you love somebody who is. And here's what I don't want to do. I don't want to take the next few weeks and make it about, oh, life is really hard. Isn't it really hard? I want you to find hope in the fact that life is hard. And I want you to walk out of here saying, yeah, life is hard, but God is good. And God brings good out of those hard times that we often go through. Now, if you want to talk about somebody who understands hard times, you look at James' audience, okay? And so this is the first Christian community ever. I mean, this is the very first Christian community to ever exist. There wasn't one before. And now they have been scattered. And the reason they have been scattered is because they're running for their lives. 
persecution is breaking out and they're saying if we want to live we better get out of Jerusalem and so now they have become refugees and they're living in poverty like refugees live many of them have been forsaken by their family because they've chosen to follow Jesus and guess what happens when you're a refugee you still get sick and so they're facing all of these trials and James is very aware of what they're going through so what do you do in the midst of those hard times so there's just one thing that I, I love to do I love to make um, chocolate peanut butter no-bake cookies is there anybody that knows what man I've touched your hearts for the first time I haven't had amens for months in this place and you're just coming alive for me so when when somebody's coming over and that'll say you want to make some no-bakes too and I'll, yeah I, I make them I love to make them I call them my world famous they're really not but I like to flatter myself and so I take a couple of sticks of butter and I throw them in a saucepan and some sugar and six tablespoons of cocoa and some milk and you get that all mixed up and finally let it boil for about a minute and, and this is an artist at work here too I, it, about a minute and then you dump in some oats and then you dump in some vanilla and then you dump in some and this is what sets my no-bake cookies apart from everybody else's extra crunchy peanut butter and that way there are nuts in every bite okay you just spoon them onto some wax paper and then you wait a few minutes and they harden and they become one of the best little gifts God has ever given mankind is what they are so if you told me though Rick open the fridge okay what grab a couple sticks of butter this yeah go ahead and eat that I'd be like well I'm not gonna I couldn't I would I would get sick I can't eat butter I bet there's some of you who could eat butter though I've, I've met people who eat butter right Anybody willing to admit that? No, I don't believe I would have admitted that. But anyway, um, some people just love butter, you know. If you now, I told you I love sugar. But if you said eat a couple of cups of sugar, just take a teaspoon, I would say I can't do it. And there's no way I could choke down six tablespoons of cocoa, right? I'm not a milk drinker. I don't like to drink milk. I like it on cereal, okay. But I wouldn't eat dry oats. You, you follow me, right? I don't even want a spoonful of just peanut butter. But some of you would love a spoonful of just peanut butter. But when you mix it all together and you get the temperature right, and then you spoon it, it, it becomes awesome. See. When you just have hard times come to your life, it's hard to stomach. Like, I, can't, I can't take it. I mean, there's some of you... Look at me right now. And you're in a season, or you've just been through a season, and it's, it's been you or somebody you love, and, and you're looking at me and saying, Rick Harvey, I felt it in my gut. It hurt so bad. I didn't want to eat. I remember a season in my life, people look at me and say, you're losing weight. I didn't want to say, yeah, I'm I'm sick to my stomach over something that somebody I love is going through. You know, just can't swallow it. 
It's not enjoyable. It's hard. Do you know why we call hard times hard times? Because they're really hard. It's tough stuff. And, and what James does is says, I'm not denying the fact that you're going through hard times. And, and, and I'm telling you, their hard times to me seem like a lot harder than my hard times. They were going through hard times. But he says, now get this. This is what I want you to do when you're in the hard times. He says, I want you to know that Jesus gave us this instruction, okay? In this world, you're going to have trouble. But I want you to take heart because, and this is great stuff, Jesus says, I've overcome the world. What, what we want to do is try to say, you know what, no, we're Christians, we follow Jesus. There's this hedge of protection, there's this wall He builds around us, there's this dome He puts over us. We won't have hard times. No, 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 no. Jesus Himself said, you know what you're going to have in this world? You're going to have trouble. You live in a fallen world, it's reality, you're going to have them. But here's what, here's what James actually says. Give me the next slide. He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials. And you're going, wait, what? Consider it pure joy? You, you mean if tomorrow I go to work and they fire me, and on my way home I have an accident in my car, and I get home to realize my bank account is overdrawn, you're telling me that I should pretend like everything's okay? No, no, no. That's not what James is saying. It's not what God expects of any of us. Here's, here's what is simply being stated, and that is that you can have a sense of deep joy, which is a state of being, not the emotion of happiness. It comes and goes. But the state of joy knowing that even in the most difficult times of my life, in the darkest times, God will not only be there to walk beside me and get me through it, but God is also going to bring good out of it. So I, I love these words, okay? Here's what's God going to help you do. God is going to help you to grow through what you go through. Ava, did you say, mm, I like that. God is going to help you to grow through whatever it is that you go through. So because you're going through something difficult, it doesn't mean that I'm just going to go through this difficult time and thank God one day it's finally going to be over. No, no, no. God is going to help you to grow through that difficult time that you are going through. See, God redeems everything. God redeems even the darkest moments of your life. And He says, I'm going to bring some good out of this. And that's the benefit of the person who says, I'm going to follow Jesus. God's going to be redemptive of everything in your life. So, um, I don't really like admitting this stuff, but I think it's really important that I do. And uh, years ago, I was pastoring a church in a small Tennessee town, actually. And... And I went to a board meeting one night, and honestly, when you're a pastor, it feels to me like you do a lot of jobs that you, you have no training for, and you probably aren't very good at, and like leading a board meeting, I didn't know what I was doing, uh, or maybe you should say don't know what I'm doing. And so um, there was this guy named Frank who was on our church board. 
He hadn't been a Christian but a few years, maybe a little early to be on the board as I look back on it, I don't know. We put his name on the ballot, he got elected, so he was on the church board. So one night, I go on the board meeting and I present this big idea that I have. I think it's a good idea. Actually, I think it's a great idea because it was my idea. And, and I present it to him, I throw it out and I say, so I'd like for you to vote on that tonight. You know, tonight, now, vote on it. I know you just heard it, I threw it at you, but vote on it now. Because I think it's a great idea. It's going to cost some money, but I think it's worth doing. And so I throw it out, and, and Frank stands up in the board meeting and starts just packing his books. Throws his Bible on top, puts it all under his arm. He's shaking his head. He's apparently frustrated. I'm like, Frank, are you okay? And he goes, no, I'm not okay. He starts walking toward the door. He says, I've been on this board for like three months. Every meeting I come to, you get up. You throw out some big idea. You ask us to vote on it immediately. You don't give us time to pray about it. I'm done. I'm out of here. And he walks out the door. I'm embarrassed. I feel hurt. I feel wounded. I feel unappreciated. The board meeting didn't last very long. Nobody had much to say after that. I go home. I tell Annette how I've been mistreated, unappreciated. Get up the next morning, there's a little snow on the ground. They've canceled school. I tell Annette, let's get the girls ready. Let's go to your parents. They lived an hour away. Let's spend the day. I want to get out of this town. This town is not good for me. You know what I'm saying? This is a bad town. <laughs> I just need to get away. This town is bringing me down, you know. Let's just get out of here. So we did. We spent the whole day away with her parents. Ate dinner that night. Coming home, it's an hour drive. Annette goes to sleep. The girls go to sleep. Just me driving along in the dark. And the Holy Spirit gets my attention. I'm trying to tell the Lord how unappreciated I am. Of course it's a good idea. I've had lots of good ideas. The church is growing. My ideas are working. Why can't they see and appreciate? There was pride. There was arrogance with all of it. You know what I'm saying? I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, but what if Frank's right? I'm like, there's no way he's right. What if other people feel this way? Well, they shouldn't. And it took a while. And you know what God was doing? He was saying, Rick, you feel like you're going through a hard time. What if we redeem this? What if I helped you to grow and mature and become better through this hard time? You see what I'm saying? What, what if I use this hard time to do some shaping of your life that is desperately needed? The Holy Spirit was right. I was wrong. I called Frank the next morning. Can you do lunch? Sure. He walked into the restaurant before he could sit down. He said, oh, you an apology. I said, no, you got to wait in line. I'm first. I apologize. I've been wrong. Finally, he says, no, I could have done that in private. I was wrong. We grew together. We grew closer. But I quit trying to ram things down a church's board's throat. You know what I'm saying? I learned something. It's, it's consistent through the Scripture. Look at Romans 8, 28. 
we know that in all things, what kind of things? All things. Well, what do you mean by all things? I mean all things, like good things, bad things, hard things, easy things, all things. God works for the good. God is trying to bring good of those who love Him and have been called according to His purpose. God is trying to bring good through all the things that you go through. Listen to this. God is not going to just let you go through a hard time. God is going to try to redeem the hard time. He's going to try to bring good out of it. Now, if you only look at verse 28, you miss it. Look at verse 29, because he defines the good. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed, oh my goodness, to the image of his son. Do you hear it? The good that God is trying to bring is to make you more like Jesus. Wait, wait, wait. So here's, here's what he's saying. That God will actually take a hard time that you go through and use that hard time to help you become more like Jesus. Wow. So here's the way Paul says it. I read it to you a moment ago. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. There's a progression here. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and lacking in nothing. Not lacking in anything. I love these words. These next words. They're some of my favorite. Here's what God wants for you. God wants you to be more than joyful. God wants to make you holy. See, God has a plan. And God wants to make you holy. The word in Greek, complete, is telos. It means wholeness or mature. It's, it's coming to that place in your life where your actions are in line with your beliefs and your values. And we have inconsistencies in our life, and God wants to make us whole. Now let me, let me just finish with a couple of thoughts. Here we go, okay? Everybody in the room gets it. Because probably everybody in the room could point back to a season in your own life where you would say, Rick, I remember a season in my life when I was off track with God. Okay? My relationship with God, I was off track. Most, most all of us can say, I remember a season when I kind of got off track a bit. I wasn't where I should have been. God was talking to me. He was drawing. He was speaking. But I wasn't right where I should be. And the hard times came. And I turned and I ran to God as hard as I could run. And I was ashamed. And I said, God, how foolish have I been. I need you. And it was life-changing in my journey with God. You can relate. Here's another situation you can relate to. You might say, I was doing pretty good in my journey with God. I mean, things were going okay. And the hard times came. And let me tell you something, Pastor Rick. God surprised me. <laughs> I mean, as I walked through that difficult time, I began to grow in my faith 
I don't want difficult times. I don't like difficult times. I'm not begging for difficult times, but let me tell you, I would not want to be where I was before I went through that hard time. Because going through that, God helped me to grow and mature as a Christian in ways that you would not believe. I sat with a young mom the other night, Nat and I. She talked about this difficult time she's going through. And she said, I can't believe it's me. What God is doing in me is surprising me. I never thought I could go through something like this like I'm going through it. But I am being changed in the midst of this pain. See, God doesn't bring tough times on you. We live in a fallen world. Tough times come. But God says, when they come, I'll be there. I'll show up and I'll walk with you through them. And not only will I walk with you through them, but I will use them to make you more like Jesus. Wow. That's a good God. So here's what we'll do. Stay seated. Don't you think it's best, Chad? But if you want to get up during the song and come and pray, feel free. You're welcome to. You're not going to mess anything up. It's not going to bother anybody. Altars are always open. So if you want to come and pray, you should come and pray. You shouldn't feel any hindrance. Otherwise, as you just sit there, let God speak to you by the power of His Holy Spirit. So let me pray. Lord, I believe you've been speaking to us, and now I'm asking you in these next few moments, through your Holy Spirit, to speak truth through this song. There's some things, Lord, that only you can do. So do what only you can do. In Jesus' name. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.